Morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. It's still kind of the beginning of January, so we're still getting used to writing 23 instead of 22. How many have made at least one mistake, don't lie, and written 22? I've got both hands up, done it several times, but uh, give me a few more uh, days, and I think I'll get that nailed down. Today, we kick off a brand new series, Lies We Listen To, and for the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some real-life feelings and some lies that we open ourselves up to. Now, I read a CBS survey that concluded that the average person lies four times a day. That means if you are around a bunch of people that never lie, then there's a bunch of people lying 8, 10, 12 times a day. Basically, once every hour they're awake. I'm convinced some people lie while they're asleep. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking about lying down on a bed. I'm talking about falsehoods and untruths. Well, it seems like you know, truth-telling is difficult for many, many people, and, and lying is a, is a favorite pastime of others. And people lie for many, 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 many different reasons. And I want us to, to just think about uh, that whole subject of truth-telling for a few moments. You know, we see lying in, in marriages. We see it in parent-child relationships. We see it in test-taking. We see it in, in taxes and finances. And, and certainly in the area of faith, people live out a lie thinking that they can uh, confuse and bewilder God of all things. But truth-telling is one side of lying. What I want us to talk about for the next few weeks is what we listen to. Do we listen to lies? Do we listen to the lies of Satan? And here's the big one. Do we listen to the lies we tell ourselves? I mean, sometimes it feels like we're on a, a treadmill or a hamster wheel. We keep going over and over and over and over and over, and we don't get anywhere, but we're sure perspiring and obsessed and, and overwhelmed with a thought or something that is consuming us, and we don't let it go. And we continue to listen to lies that try to destroy us, to sidetrack us. What lies are you listening to that diminish you or devalue you or discourage you? Who, who in your life is telling you that your marriage cannot be fixed, your future is hopeless, and your life is worthless? I want to encourage you to stop listening to lies. Listening to lies is so 2022. Let's get on and get going, shall we? Forget that anymore. Let's stop listening to lies, and let's stop focusing on the truth. Now, your identity is not tied to your mistakes. It's not tied to your failures. It's not tied, like we talked about all last fall, your regrets. What is your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ tied to? It's tied to Jesus. You're who he says you are. You are what he says you are. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And he has hopes and dreams for you, even if you don't have any for yourself. I want you to repeat these words of affirmation after me, everybody. You'll see the words on the screen. Repeat these phrase by phrase with me. I am not a mistake. I am not a failure. I am not the sum of my regrets. I am a child of the King. Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. He rose again from the dead for me. My future is bright. My failures are forgiven. I am who Jesus says I am. I am worthy of his love. I am a recipient of his grace. I am bound for heaven. 
How many can say a big amen to that? Let's put our hands together. That's who Jesus says we are. That's who Jesus says you are. So why do we listen to the opposite? Why do we listen to lies? You know, there are at least five sources of lies that come to my mind. One, of course, is Satan. We read in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and Satan shared all sorts of lies with Jesus trying to get him to to yield and relent. The big one I alluded to a moment ago is self. We listen to so many lies that we tell ourselves. We are so good at self-condemnation. I am useless. I am worthless. I have no value. I can't do this. I'm not as good as that person. And we're so good at that. How about the lies of other people? I mean, if you're around people that are dragging you down because they're constantly lying or demeaning or diminishing you, you need to reconsider that just a bit. Maybe circumstances, things aren't going well at work or maybe not well in the family or not good with finances or any number of things. And so we start to yield and listen to the message of our circumstances and the message of the world. You know, I... Uh, I was listening to a couple of podcasts last week, and in one podcast, um, they were saying that uh, the average young person receives 10,000 social media messages a day. What? 10,000 messages a day. I guarantee you, not all of those are positive. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's comparisons and, and all sorts of messages that are confusing and destructive. I listened to another young couple talk about how uh, they said, you know, we don't listen to social media anymore because we're focused in on, on building wealth and, and building our finances. And they started talking about how they do that kind of thing. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a refreshing outlook. We open ourselves up, is my point, to so much influence that if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves succumbing to the messages of other people. Here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, God, give me real eyes to realize real lies. Spiritually, Lord, spiritually, give me real eyes so that I can see things for what they are and realize truth from falsehood and know real lies from truth. Because you know what? I don't think most of us get it half the time. We are sucker punched by ourselves, by Satan, by other people, by social media, by culture, by the world, by society, and we give sway to that influence in our life. And I just want to remind you that is so 2022. It's time to move forward and onward and upward and make sure we live by truth. I know within the sound of my voice, there are people who feel beat down by others, puffed up pridefully by social media, discouraged by circumstances, demeaned by self, and brainwashed by Satan. I typed Satan in on my computer and it auto-corrected to Stan. And I felt really bad for anybody named Stan. How many Stans are here? How many online? I see that hand out there, Stan, you know, through the uh, airwaves. I'm here to say your identity, if your name is Stan, is not Satan, okay? Let's get that straight. Don't listen to that lie. But, you know, we have a way of, of allowing ourselves to just get sucker punched and, and diminished. Here's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How many believe that? How many believe that? 
oh, we read the Bible and we say in church, yeah, I believe it. But when we're at a very down low time, we listen to just the opposite. Come on, you know what I'm saying is right. And I want to challenge us all to not listen to those lies. I have a little word cloud here with a bunch of words that end in eyes. And these kind of words we are very quick to do to ourselves. We minimize, trivialize, despise, victimize ourselves. We penalize ourselves. We demonize ourselves. We criticize ourselves. We let other people uh, agonize and, and downsize and, and euthanize us. You know, there's just all sorts of eyes words that tend to, to bury us and diminish us and belittle us. And I want to just ask you to ask yourself, what am I listening to? What lies am I listening to? No more looking back and fixating on the failures and mistakes and regrets. We talked about that all last fall. No, I'm gonna use that to fuel forward progress. I can hear someone saying, Rob, are you asking me to ignore my reality? No, I'm asking you to celebrate your reality in Jesus Christ. You are who he says you are. You are a child of the king. You are bought by his blood. He has a place purchased for you in heaven that he purchased with his life. That's who he says you are. Now here's the sermon in a sentence. You ready? With Jesus, it's never ever a question about your value. It's only a question about your faithfulness. We just celebrated Christmas. Pretty soon we're going to be celebrating Easter. Jesus came at Christmas because he values you. He lived a short life. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. He intercedes on your behalf in heaven. Why? Because you have value. You matter to him. You, you mean a lot. You are worth a lot to Jesus. That's already been settled. Your value. You say, well, I'm, I'm useless. I'm valueless. I, I, I'm worthless. That has already been settled. I mean, what more do you want Jesus to do? He died for you. He gave his life for you because you mean that much to him. For God so loved you that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come to condemn you but to save you, John 3.17 says. Your value is off the charts. It's only a question. It's only a question. Will you be faithful to follow him? In John chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9, we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. In fact, there are only two miracles that uh, are recorded in all four Gospels in the New Testament. The resurrection, of course, and the feeding of the 5,000. John chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9. Now, I want you to notice this uh, map on the screen to add a little context and texture to our conversation. If you look at kind of the... Uh, uh, northeast uh, corner of the Sea of Galilee, you'll see Bethsaida. And this is the area where uh, this miracle supposedly happened, up there in the mountain area. Lisa and I are leading a uh, crew, as many of you know, about 45 people from our church on a uh, tour of the Holy Land here in, in April, and we're going to be marching all around the Sea of Galilee. Um, you'll see Capernaum there uh, to the uh, kind of the west, northwest corner. Uh, just to the hillside uh, up above Capernaum. Capernaum is where Peter lived. Uh, he had his home there, uh, we, we understand, from church history. And just up in the mountain area is where the greatest sermon ever preached was, was, was preached in a, in a natural uh, theater, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes and all of that. 
If you make your way down to, uh, uh, the west side or, or the left, you see just a little bit below halfway, Tiberius, a huge, uh, glorious city built by T Tiberius Emperor uh, as a uh, momentum unto himself. Oftentimes, the Sea of Galilee is called the Sea of Tiberius, as it is in John chapter 6. If you go across the lake again, you see uh, Gergesa, or a little bit further down, Gadara, and uh, this was a region, the region of the Gadarenes. Somewhere in there is where the miracle happened where Jesus said to a demon in a fellow, go into the swine, and the demon went into the swine and raced into the, into the sea, into the, the Sea of Galilee. You remember that story. Jesus did tons of ministry around Galilee. He did three ministry tours. The first one was with his fishermen disciples, uh, Peter, uh, Andrew, James, and John, four uh, fishermen disciples. Uh, the second tour was with all 12 disciples. And then this third tour that he's on right now, he was all alone and he had sent his disciples out one by one to minister around uh, the Sea of Galilee. And now they all come back together here in John chapter 6 where we read about this extraordinary miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Amazing, amazing story. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is called the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs had performed in healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside, sat down with the disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he's going to do. Don't tell me Jesus didn't have a sense of humor. This is fantastic. Uh, he knew exactly what he was going to do, and the disciples were fretting, sweating. He asked this only to test him, and Philip answered, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will it go with so many to feed? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass. And so they sat down. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he gave the did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the uh, five barley loaves left over uh, that had not been eaten. 12. You notice that? Jesus is quoting the land of the 12. He was a Seahawk fan, and this proves it right here. Uh, so, you know, many people have doubted that, but again, there's proof. Uh, an incredible miracle. I think sometimes we're guilty of looking back, uh, uh, you know, as people have come so much later and saying, wow, Jesus just did lots of miracles. He's a miracle worker. Isn't it awesome? But if you were in that crowd, and if you were starving to death, essentially, and all of a sudden, you got this little lad's lunch and it's multiplied and Jesus is feeding everybody. Don't you think that would be just a little bit unbelievable? I mean, Jesus is always the hero of every story, but I want you to focus for a moment on this boy. This boy was very, very ordinary, but because he made his lunch available, God used him in an extraordinary way. And I want you just to follow this theme that I'm going to talk about over and over again here today. He gave what he could, did the boy, he served where needed, and he obeyed when asked. That's it. That's all. The simplicity of his followership, the simplicity of his faith astounds me in a, such a powerful, magnificent way. 
the boy said, hey, I'm just going to give what you need. I, I'm going to serve where there's a need. And whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to obey. Simple, yet profound. And Jesus blessed that lunch, that boy's lunch, and multiplied it in such an extraordinary way. This is the key to usefulness. You want to be useful? It's never a question of value. It's never a question, do you have use? It's never a question, do you have worth? It's only a question of faithfulness. Are you willing to give what you can? Are you willing to serve where there's a need? Are you willing to obey when Jesus asks? You talk about three resolutions for a brand new year. Those are the three that I want to encourage you to join me in living out over the course of this year. Lord, may I give more generously, may I serve more generously, and may I obey more completely. God, that is what I want out of this year. That's what I want to give you as my gifts to you this year. Lord, help me be faithful in living like the lad. Jesus did the miracle, but I want you to think about the boy. And as you do, don't minimize yourself. Don't put yourself down and say you're useless. That's a lie. Realize it's a lie. Ask God to give you real eyes to realize real lies. Now, I want you to ponder four points, and I've kind of touched on a couple of them already, but, but let me go ahead and just share these with you. Four points from this story rather quickly here. Jesus is a hero of the story, and he's always a hero of every story, but have you noticed how he's always using others? God wants to use you and me just like he did the boy. You say, I'm too old, I'm too young. Listen, if you're two years old, I'll give you a pass. If you're 202 years old, I'll give you a pass. Everybody else in between, if you still have breath, God wants to use you. The only question is, are you available? Well, I'm too busy. I got other things on my agenda. Wrong answer. We give whatever he asks. We serve wherever the need is. We obey completely. The second point to ponder is realize who you are in Christ and believe God wants to use you. Again, it's always a question of obedience, faithfulness, never value. And so the question is, will you be faithful in 2023? Will you allow him to use you in 2023? And I'd go a step further. May it be our prayer, God, I want to give more than ever. I want to serve more faithfully than ever. I want to obey more completely than ever. Ratchet it up a bit. Ratchet it up a bit. Number three, the lad with the lunch could have believed the lies, but he didn't. Now, think for a moment. In his society, in his culture, in his time, there was a lot he could have believed. I want you to kind of bring together everything you've studied on New Testament uh, history and culture and society, and I want you to just understand that this boy could have said, man, I'm irrelevant. <laughs> there is nothing I can do to change the game here. I'm irrelevant. Nobody sees me. Nobody needs me. Nobody cares about me. Nothing. I'm useless. He could have said, I'm insignificant. As a kid, I have very small things I can offer. It's an adult's game. It's a man's game, and I'm neither. I'm insignificant. I'm merely a face in the crowd. I'm a nothing. I'm useless. He could have believed, hey, I'm inadequate. They got 5,000 men to feed here. I got five loaves and two fish. Inadequate. 
It's going to take more than a half year's wage to buy enough bread for everybody to have a bite. I don't have any of that. I'm a nothing. I'm useless. He could have believed the lies, but he didn't. And the final thing, the fourth thing I want you to notice here, and this is so profound, and you know this to be true from studying this scripture through the years, those of you that have, is God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. He touches the mundane and turns it into the miraculous. God wants to use our ordinary gifts and abilities and life, and he wants to add his touch to it and combine it with everybody else and do something extraordinary. Are you willing? Are you available? Will you be faithful? Don't miss playing the part Christ has for you to play in his plan. The boy didn't. Are you? He gave what he had. He served where needed. He obeyed completely. I think this is the mindset of a disciple. If you want to have the mindset of a disciple in 2023, I want to challenge you to join me in praying just a sincere prayer. God, help me give more graciously and generously. Help me serve more, more fully and completely. Help me obey always. That's the mindset of a disciple. We overcomplicate it. You know, we come up with all sorts of lies we listen to. Well, I'm not like this person, or I'm not like that person. And we come up with all sorts of lies. The mindset of a disciple is, I will give what he asks, I will serve where he leads, I will obey when he calls. Can you commit to those three in 2023? No, seriously. I'm asking you. I'm challenging you as I challenge myself. Are you willing to pray that prayer and commit yourself to these three all year long? Jesus, I will give whatever you ask. I will serve wherever you lead. I will obey your every call. That is what the lad did. And that's what Christ calls us to do. And that's what he calls every disciple to do. Now I want to kind of look at these three from a little different angle. I want you to notice three things here. Jesus is not asking you to give what you cannot give. He didn't ask the boy to give what he couldn't give. He asked the boy to give what he could give. The boy was not asked to feed 5,000 people. He was simply asked, can I have your five loaves and two fish? And the boy said, yes. Jesus is asking you to give your time, your money, your energy. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I give you of my time. I give you of my talent. I give you of my treasure. I give you what I have. I give you what's in my hands, what's in my possession. I offer it to you, Lord, freely and, and enthusiastically because I know you love a cheerful giver. It is such a joy and such a pleasure and such a privilege to be able to give to you, Lord, to serve you, Lord. Jesus is not asking you to serve where you can't serve. He's not asking you to be Mother Teresa. He's not asking you to build hospitals in Calcutta. He's not asking you to start compassion outposts in India. He's asking you to serve in your church, serve through your church, serve in your community, be a blessing where you are. He's not asking you to serve where you can't serve, but he is asking you to serve where and when you can serve. Can I hear a big amen? It's a little dark in here. I can't see everybody's face. I want to make sure you didn't leave. That could actually happen, and I wouldn't know it. 
Just think about that for a moment. We're not asked to serve in ways that we can't. We're asked to serve in ways that we can. That should be liberating. That should be freeing. That should be inspiring to every one of us. You are asked to serve where you can, and that's in your church, through your church, in your community. Care for other people. Pray, Lord, I want to give like never before. I want to serve like never before. And then thirdly, Jesus is not asking you to obey where and when you can't obey. He's not asking any of us to start the first church. He's not asking us to be Peter and Paul. He's not saying, hey, I want you guys to thrive in, in the Roman Empire and, and eventually, you know, you know, give your life for the cause at the hands of Nero, and I want you to establish the early church while dying in the process. None of us have been asked to do that, but each of us have been asked to obey completely in our way, in our world, at our time. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I die to self and I live for Christ. Useless? Oh, that's so 2022. God has use for you. You are valuable. You have worth. You have significance. The only question is are you willing to offer up your five loaves and two fish? And the sad thing is some will say no without even knowing it. Listening to lies, I have nothing to offer. I'm useless. What does Jesus see in me? Mindset of a disciple. Give. Serve, obey. Notice this, what jumps out to me about this boy. He gave generously. He basically gave everything he had. He gave everything he had. Um, he served sacrificially. You could say, hey, I'm prepared. He could have said to himself, I'm prepared. I've got a lunch. The rest of these people are going to have to suffer and struggle on their own. But, but he sacrificed for the best interest of others. He obeyed completely. You don't see anything in the text where he argued with the disciples. no. Jesus can't have it. I need it. You know, I didn't negotiate. I don't want to give my time, my money, my talent, my treasure. You know, there wasn't that argument going back and forth. Listen to this for a moment. As I study the Bible in the New Testament, as I study New Testament discipleship specifically, it never says give as little as you can, serve as optionally as you can, obey as randomly as you can. Never. And we, we live in a culture, we live in a society where you hear it over and over again. You know, let's just make it easy. Let's make it simple. You know, let's, 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 let's just not rain on anybody's parade. Let's not complicate people's lives. There is no greater joy. There's no greater joy than inviting people to step up and give their all to and for Christ. There's nothing more rewarding. There's no more blessed life to live. There's nothing greater in all of this life. So I ask you again, are you willing to give generously? Are you willing to serve sacrificially? Are you willing to obey completely? I was thinking about this in the context of our uh, incredibly generous, sacrificial, and 
obedient church family. And I was just thinking about all the things that happened last year because you gave, because you served, and because you obeyed. And I just jotted a few things down just to give a little perspective. Things that would not have happened had you not given, had you not sacrificed and served, had you not obeyed. But because you did, you gave up your five loaves and two fish and Jesus piled on with all sorts of blessing and the miraculous took place. Some of these numbers you've heard me share, some are new to you. You've heard me talk about the Bethany Compassion Center, 60,000 acts of compassion. Just let your mind be boggled by that as it is mine. Tens of thousands of dollars given. Thousands of people helped. How about global missions? We didn't stop or slow down one iota during the pandemic, and we continue to go strong, supporting 80 missionaries and all of their projects, five global church partnerships. Last year, we helped uh, either construct or begin the construction of two churches. For eight years, we've been supporting all the kids at the House of Hope in Uh, on Sumba, Indonesia. Why? Because you gave. Because you sacrificed and served and you obeyed God's call. We trained pastors. We raised thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Do you know there's over 400 people that volunteer through the ministry of BCA uh, on an annual basis? I mean, just stop and think about that. If the average volunteer put in two hours, which I know is an approximation, over 52 hours, over 52 weeks, and then you add in all the on-ramping training, systems work, recruiting work, communication work, encouragement work, and so on. That's well over 50,000 hours of volunteerism because you gave, because you sacrificed, and because you obeyed. That's how that happens. Wow. You know there's 10 services every single week through BCA? glad I don't have to preach all of them. <laughs> 10 services, 9 o'clock, 10.30, 10.30, online, 10.30 kids, Wednesday night true life, Deaf Church, Batania Church, Marshallese 1 and 2, 10 services, you know, times 52 weeks, that's 520 worship services being planned, prepared, prayed over, agonized over. And then you add all the Easter and Christmases and so forth, and that number even grows. Talking to our staff this week, and we concluded that when you look at all the pastoral care counseling that goes from our, our pastors, over 2,500 personal caregiving touches happened over the course of last year. That's a lot of people being touched and encouraged. I was thinking of the accumulative numbers. You know, we tend to look at what's the average attendance, but uh, the way people attend church these days since the uh, pandemic is really quite different. And, uh, you know, the reality is... Uh, you know, I'm beginning to look at things a little bit different, so I'm thinking of our children and just thinking of the weekly touches that our children's team and our church is having on children. And you look at Sunday morning and Wednesday night, week after week after week after week after week, 52 weeks long. And you look at the big events on Easter and, and uh, you know, uh, Halloween and vacation Bible school and so on and so forth. You know what that accumulated number grows to be? Over 10,000. Over 6,000 for youth. 
5,000 when you consider adult Bible study. Then you add all of the baptisms and dedications and all those other things. And then all the finances people are giving. There is a lot of people in this church who are giving generously, serving sacrificially, and obeying completely. And it's powerful to see. Here's an equation. Here's an equation. When we give generously and you add that to us serving sacrificially and you add that to us obeying fully and you multiply that by the blessing of God, something extraordinary is going to happen. Like just a few of those things I just shared. But it all comes back to are we going to listen to the lies of Satan, self, and others? Are we going to listen to lies that say, you're useless, you're worthless, you have no value, you have nothing to contribute, you're too young, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that. Are we going to listen to those lies? Or are we going to say, no, that is so 2022. I'm moving forward in 2023, and I am going to stop listening to those lies. I'm going to ask God to give me spiritual eyes so that I have real eyes to realize real lies that are seeking to destroy me, to take me down, to mess me up. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you just to think about this for a few moments as we prepare to close this service. Where and in what ways have you allowed other voices to mitigate the work that God wants to do in you and through you. Be honest with yourself. Where have you been so obsessed by false messages that it's as if you're on a mental and spiritual treadmill, just going through a lot of energy but getting nowhere, or you're on a hamster wheel, just spinning, 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 and you're just obsessed and, and overcome and overwhelmed. You need to stop it. Stop it now. Get off the hamster wheel, get off the treadmill and run into the arms of Jesus Christ who loves you, gave his life for you and wants to use you in a powerful way. Humble yourself before God. Pray a prayer of consecration and say, Lord, I will give, I will serve, I will obey like never before. I want to have the mindset and the heart set of a disciple. I want to come to you with the heart of a child, the heart of a boy who had a sack lunch. Lord, I stop and think about the electric momentum and impact that can happen, not only in this community, not only around the world, but, but in so many different ways through this church, if we would but just get our heads and hearts and arms around that simple, simple truth. We are useful because of Christ. We have worth because of Christ. We are significant because of Christ. Our identity is in Christ in Christ alone. As I came to the end of 2022, I reminded myself, as I do every year, that Jesus is already way down the road in 2023. He goes before me. He walks behind me. He lives in me. He stands beside me. He knows where he wants to take me. He knows where he wants to take you in this new year. Will we be faithful? Will we be willing? Will we be available? 
So think for a moment with me right now. If you have not committed your life to Christ, today is a great day to commit or recommit your life to Christ. Would you do that right here and now? Just simply pray, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. And if you pray that prayer, if you pray that prayer, take that connection card that's online, if you're online or in front of you, if you're in one of our services, fill that out. I want to be praying with you and encouraging you to keep moving forward. Maybe for you it's a prayer of recommitment. In fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, everyone just praying and thinking about the opportunity that this year affords them. How many would raise your hand and just simply pray or or say, Rob, pray for me. I want to commit myself in 2023 to grow as a disciple of Christ like never before. I want to give, I want to serve, I want to obey. I want 2023 to be a breakout year in the area of Christian discipleship for me. Would you just raise your hand? Just hold it there boldly for just a moment. Just between you and God, go ahead and hold that. God bless you. Absolutely. So many hands. Lord, you see our hands. You, you know our heart. You, 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 you hear our thoughts, Lord. We want all of you. We want to be all for you. We want to be all in. We give, we serve, we obey out of complete devotion to a Savior who loves us so much that he came and died for us and rose again for us. I pray your blessing on every single one here today, Lord. May we not allow the lies that come against us to take us down or twist us sideways, but may we focus on the reality of who and whose we are in Christ Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to have our online host and traditions host pastors lead in those respective services. But right here, I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. We're going to sing a closing song, and then we're going to be dismissed in just a few moments. But maybe you have something you'd like to pray about. Maybe you'd like to come and stand in for someone else. Maybe there's some lies you've allowed to just kind of ruin you a bit. I invite you to come as we sing, and in just a moment, we'll be dismissed. God bless you.